If you have a Bible today, find the book of Luke, and we're going to start in chapter number two. Today is actually like the finale of a series of messages that we've been in. We've been calling it the greatest story ever told, the greatest story ever told. And we've been talking about how everybody loves stories. Everybody does. Uh, And come on, I know we have kids in the place with us today. Raise your hand nice and high if you like a good story. Come on. Adults, raise your hand if you like a story, whether that's reading a book or watching a movie, okay? We all like stories. I can remember, and, and, I, and I've been remembering back in, in my life and some of the stories of, of even growing up, and I remember traveling with my parents and my brother and sister to our family Christmas stuff, and my family was spread out all over the place in the state of Minnesota. We would go to Worthington one year and then up to Bemidji, uh, the next year, and we'd gather together with all the cousins and all the aunts and all the uncles, and it was a full house, and we'd have this massive meal together. Uh, and there was so many of us in our family that we couldn't all just sit around a table. We were spread all throughout the house. Anyone have Christmases like that where you got people in the living room and people in the basement and people in the garage even sometimes, and you are all over the place. And, and, if, and if the weather was right, we would go outside and play football in the snow and then we'd come in and eat dessert and we always had lefsa any lefsa people okay come on if you like we make lefsa in my family uh we had krumkaka does anyone know what that is okay some of you are like i have no idea what that is that's okay it's magical it really is you, you put whipped cream in it and you eat it and it makes a mess and it is like as scandinavian as you can ever imagine uh and and it's so good and then we'd we'd do some sort of gift exchange which is always chaos squish everyone in this little living room together and then after that i remember all of the all of the uncles and all of the grandpas would do what They'd take a nap, they'd all find a recliner or a couch, and they would go out. They would, okay, come on, how many nappers do we have in the family gatherings around here? Okay, that's so weird, isn't it? We're going to gather together with all the people we love that we don't ever see, and I'm just going to sleep through half of it? Like, come on, what are you doing, uncles? And aunt, not the aunts, they, they're, they're doing other stuff. But, okay, we all have stories. We all have stories. And uh, in fact, some of us are stories like, uh, of the holidays are fantastic. Some of you, though, we have stories around the holiday season that, that are filled with pain. And, and to be honest, those difficult stories are actually probably more similar to the Christmas story of the Bible than stories like mine that seem to be happy in nature. And for a few minutes, we're just going to look at the scripture, look to the Bible, at the story Uh, of an incredible God who sent his son to be born. And so let's begin by reading together. This is Luke chapter two. I'm gonna start in verse number one, and I'm gonna ask you to stand with me all over this place. And we're just gonna read the Bible together. Uh, And so the words should be on the screen behind me if you don't have a Bible. And let's just, we're just gonna read the story of Jesus. Here's what it says. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child while they were there. The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no 
guest room available for them. Let's just pray together. God, we, we just pause for a moment right here, right now, to invite you into this moment, uh, every part, every piece. God, I pray that this would not be about a person on a stage talking, but that sincerely, God, you would do what you do, that your very words would fill this room and that you would encourage those that need that and challenge those that need that. And God, we just give you this time. We truly do every part and every piece. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Well, the story of Christmas, we all know it. Like everybody here, you've heard the story. You could probably tell it better than I could. Your kids could get up here and tell the story. An angel comes to Mary, the young woman. She's probably a teenager historically. Major is, Mary is engaged to be married, and the angel then says these words, greetings, do not be afraid, and tells Mary, you're going to give birth to a son. You're going to call him Jesus, and he's going to save the people from their sins. He will be the very son of God. And Mary says, how can this be? I'm not even married. Uh, and, and the angel says these these words, the angel just says, trust in me. And Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. Powerful words. Other things happen. Things with Mary's cousin, a woman named Elizabeth. Things with her fiance, Joseph, happen. Supernatural events happen in this story over and over again. Then Mary and Joseph, they're forced to travel about 60 or 70 miles straight south uh, they don't have a car. We don't know how they traveled. Pictures tell us that they rode a donkey, but that's not in the Bible. We really don't know. Okay, we have a pregnant girl who's traveling 60 or 7 miles straight south. Uh, they finally get to Bethlehem. They struggle to find a place to stay. Okay, there's lots of travelers, lots of people staying in that city. They cannot find anywhere. And we don't know exactly what this looks like, but they end up staying in a place that is typically used for animals. And most often in that culture, uh, that could often be the, the bottom floor of even a home, a dirt floor, okay, hay and straw, you get the idea, feeding troughs, which is where Jesus was placed in when he's born. And it's in that place that Mary gives birth, that she gives birth. Raise your hand if you've ever given birth before. Okay, that's, that's a weird thing to ask, okay, isn't it? All right, yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know what to do with that. Why did I ask that? But it's okay. But you understand, he, in, in that situation and in that place, we have Mary giving birth. Uh, then we have the story of the shepherds. We talked about that a few weeks ago. They're in the field watching the sheep. Angel shows up and talks to them. They're scared out of their mind. Uh, the, the, the angel says, you got to go find this thing that has been done. Uh, Bethlehem was actually five or six miles away from Jerusalem where that happened uh, and all of that. And so they leave that place. They go find the baby and go see that thing that has been done. And they find the place where Mary and Joseph and the new baby Jesus were. And the story says they just bowed down to worship him. Uh, later in the story, not that same night uh, and not in the same location, these foreign magi, or like we like to call them wise men, come and they bring three gifts, which is why we typically say three wise men, but the story doesn't actually tell us how many there were. Uh, there could have been 10 wise men, but as someone I heard earlier this week say, it was probably more like three because it's almost impossible to find 10 wise men, okay? Someone said that. Clearly a woman's joke. I'm not in support of that, all right? But these, but these wise men follow this supernatural star to this place. 
uh, and, and they bring gifts. There's more to the story. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's interesting. It's sometimes strange when you look at it, and we hear this story, and we think, wow, what a beautiful story that is, but this is a story filled with drama. It's a story that's filled with details, like a story that's filled with fear and pain and unanswered questions and confusion. It's a story of a very pregnant girl uh, traveling 60 or so miles by foot. Uh, come on, women, that doesn't sound quite as beautiful anymore, does it? Like, and she gives birth in a place with no climate control, uh, no sanitation, no professionals to help if something goes wrong. And, and here's uh, where I want to take this today. I just want to kind of ask the question, why? Why all of this? Why in this way does God do this thing? Why does all of this matter? And what does it tell us about God and who he is? And so quickly, we're just going to go through four things uh, uh, and write this stuff down if you're taking notes. I think everybody knows this, like 98% of the people who take, note, take notes in church go to heaven. Is that right? It's something around there. And so write some stuff down if you want to. Uh, but number one, number one, the Christmas story is an open invitation for everyone to be part of what God is doing in the world. We talked about this a little bit this past Sunday, but one of the most interesting things about the story of Christmas is actually this different characters that we find in the story. It's fascinating. When you, when you look at it, we have poor people and we have rich people. We have young people and we have old people. We have men, men and we have women. We have religious Jewish people and we have like pagan Greek sorcery type of people. Uh, we have local people and we have foreigners. The characters that God chooses in the story of, uh, of his birth, of Jesus' birth, are significant to the narrative of what is happening and the picture of what God is painting. Here. And, and we read words like everyone and all. Uh, and, and listen, maybe you're here today and you're not, you're not much of a church person. Uh, maybe you don't do this very often. Maybe you don't call yourself religious or whatever else. That is, maybe you're here today and your life is messy and you got all sorts of junk going on in your family and all of this. Uh, and, and on Christmas Eve, like you're just thinking, wow, this churchy stuff is great for the churchy people. But just understand, one of the main themes of the Christmas story is this beautiful, all-inclusive everyone. It's, it's fascinating. And I believe that the variety of characters that we look at playing a part in this story, 100% put together in this story on purpose. Why? So that we can be reminded again and again uh, that God is inviting us to be a part of what he's doing in the world. Inviting every single one of us, not just the good people, like we think, or not, not just the churchy people, not just the people who know lots of Bible verses and, 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 and all of that, but sincerely, everyone, everybody, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, the Bible says. And the Christmas story is this beautiful, open invitation for all people to be a part of what God is doing. And that's good news. That's beautiful stuff. Number two, the Christmas story shows that God cares about this broken world and that he cares about broken people. And I use that word broken in this on purpose. Uh, Psalm 34 says the Lord, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And this story is filled with brokenness. From the very beginning, Luke 2 starts by naming the leader of the Roman Empire. It says Caesar Augustus. Uh, and, and, and though it was not nearly as bad, 
this world's not nearly as bad as it would like 70 years or so from then when the Roman Empire would turn into this horrendous historical place, especially to be followers of Christ. Terrible things would happen. Christians would be burned alive and fed to lions and all sorts of scary stuff that uh, you wouldn't let your kids watch and this type of stuff. But the, the, the issue is, this is a hard time to be a Jewish person in Israel. The center of the Christmas story, this is a difficult place to live. The Roman Empire was in control. The Jewish people were forced to pay taxes to a foreign government to, to Rome. There were Roman soldiers on the street. We know nothing of life like this. Public crucifixions are happening on the street corners to, so the Roman Empire can keep everybody in line. This is the world that Jesus was broken into. It's a broken land filled with broken people. These were poor people. Poor people. Life expectancy was not great. I mean, listen to this. Historically, pretty much every parent Every parent in this time, in this area, would have known what it felt like to lose a child. Historically, just as this is just the world that they lived in, and this is the place, and these are the people that God sends and chooses to send His Son. But even more, but even more than that, at the center of this entire story that we have as the Christmas story is the gospel message that says and tells us that God steps into the very world that He created to fix this brokenness, to fix the brokenness that is on the inside of every single one of us. See, understand God's creation was perfect, exactly how he wanted it to be. It was beautiful. There was no pain. There was no sickness. There was no cancer, no death. The world God created was perfect in every way, but he also creates people with this ability to choose, to, to choose how they would live their lives, to choose if they would honor God or not, to choose the direction that they would go with the way that they live. And people again and again just turn their back on God over and over again, the God that created them. And we came into this world and junked it up. Humanity wrecked this. We created this mess that we live in, and sin, scripturally, sin brought pain. Sin brought disease. Sin brought war and hurt and hunger and poverty and death. And the beauty that was the creation of God just was broken. It was broken. And the result is that we are broken people living in a broken world, and we are waiting for one day when all of this will be made right. And I think you can look around our world and I think you can agree with me that this place is broken. That, that many of us, we would say, my family's broken. My life is broken. The world that I live in, and we hear about the situations, even places around the world and children who are suffering, all this stuff, people who don't have clean water and to drink and horrible stuff like modern slavery and human trafficking, those should not even be words. And we hear about addiction and abortion and war and, and, and the chaos that we live in in our world. And not only that, but like I, I think that you can, you can understand the brokenness that we feel on the inside. This idea that something is not right inside of me. Something is missing. Something is broken in me. And Christmas, at its very core, is God reaching into this broken world, into broken people, and bringing hope, 
And he doesn't just do that from afar. God becomes man. God moved into the neighborhood. God was born a baby, and he comes to live on earth. He comes to die, to die for the sins of the world as he begins to make this world right again, to bring hope to this broken world. The Christmas story shows that God sees broken people and broken places, and he sees you, and he came for you, and he died for you. Okay, number three, the Christmas story reminds us that God works in ways we cannot see and do not understand. He works in ways it is not possible for us to fully comprehend and fully understand the works of this mighty, perfect, holy God. Isaiah chapter 55 just says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. See, God works in ways we don't understand. God does things that we can't under, like we just don't comprehend. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And the Christmas story is just filled with things that don't make sense to us as people. Like, think about this with me. If we're telling the story of God becoming a baby and the Messiah being born, you just don't choose a stable. You just, that doesn't make any sense. Why, why would you do that? God, God could do anything that he wants. <clears throat> God could put baby Jesus anywhere he wants, in a palace, in a hospital, at any time he wanted and, 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 and for some reason, God decides, I think it's going to be a good idea to have Jesus born into poverty, living in this, being born in this and living here and doing this. It, it is strange. Like, we would not choose shepherds. We would not choose an unmarried teenager to be the mom. These details just do not make sense. And shepherds, like, that doesn't make sense. You don't choose shepherds. Uh, this story would be about a warrior, and it would be about a savior who could step in and drive away the enemy. It would be a palace with servants. This, the Christmas story is so strange in so many ways, and the lesson is just, God, we don't understand, but we just learn to trust you. And we think we, under, we think we know what we need. We think we understand what would be best for our lives and our children. Our minds are filled with how things should work and what things should be like, but the reality is we must as followers of Jesus, learn to trust. Learn to trust. God knows best and his plan is better. And this is a story that reminds us of that fact. God works in ways we just don't understand. And number four, uh, and I love this. This is so big for me. The Christmas story reminds us that we are part of something much bigger. This story reminds me again and again that there is much more going on than just me and my little life and my little world that there is something so much bigger God is doing that we could ever understand. This is bigger than you, and it's bigger than me. And, and, and though we are a part of it, it's a reminder that as Christians, we are a part of something so much bigger than this church, something bigger than central Minnesota, bigger than our families. We are a part of the kingdom of God and what God is doing. And the kingdom of God is moving, and the kingdom of God is reaching and healing and showing who God is and what he's about. And God stepped down into this world. He didn't have to, and it doesn't make sense, but he left his throne. He leaves glory and honor and power and everything that is rightfully his, and he's born a baby in a humble way during a difficult time in history to live as a human being just like us and born to die, born to die for you, for the sins of the world. And Christmas reminds us that we're part of something so much 
bigger. I'm going to ask a couple musicians to please come and find their way onto the stage. But just before we finish uh, our service today, I just want to leave just a, a moment or two just for a time of prayer and reflection. And I want to ask you to stand with me all over this place and in a way just kind of prepare your heart for this moment right here. See, listen, listen, I don't know, I don't know why you're here today. I don't know where you are at in your spiritual journey. I don't know where you're at when it comes to stuff, when it, like God and all of this, but the reality of the story of the Bible and the reality of the story of Jesus is that we are all sinners, that we are all a mess. And you can feel that inside, the brokenness you can feel it. It's the sense that there's more to this than I have. <clears throat> there's more than this, more to this than I'm experiencing right now in my life. There must be more. And you can sense inside that things are not right. It's this longing for us to go back to the way things were when we were created. And it's why God sent Jesus. And the Bible says, that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the churchy words that the Bible uses, will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from our sin. Saved from the destruction that is our future without God. And you today can respond to the message of Jesus. In fact, with no one looking around, just a time of privacy and reflection just for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you would just simply say, I've never, I've never truly in my own heart responded to the message of Jesus. I'm broken and I need him. That I'm a sinner and I want to call on the name of the Lord today and be saved. And maybe you're here today and you've never done that and you would just say, Pastor Kyle, I want today, I want this to be my day. If that's you, just show me your hand quick. Eyes are closed. We're just praying together. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. If you're watching behind a screen right now, you can respond to what God is doing in your heart. And what we're going to do, we're just going to pray together. Everyone in this room, I'm just going to help us and pray, and we're just going to kind of pray it together. And so everyone in this place, let's just pray this. Pray, Father God, I need you. I'm broken on the inside. Forgive me of all of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray, amen, amen.